Act like you know that to be true. <laughs> Others of you are about to learn it. I heard it said once before, it's not original to me. I was at a coach's clinic when I was coaching years ago. And I heard, I believe it was Joe Marciana, who was a special teams coach for the Saints at the time. He's with the 49ers now. And Joe made this statement. He said, the art of failure is not hard to master. The art of failure is not hard to master. And that's why so many Christians are constantly being beaten up when they don't have to be. I'm going to be sharing out of Mark chapter 4, but I want to preface it with 1 Peter 4 and 12. Listen carefully to the wording. Of verse 12. Beloved. Who's he talking to there? The Christian. The child of God. The born again believer. Beloved. Do not think it strange. Concerning the fiery trial. Which is to try you. As though some strange thing. Has happened to you. Rewind. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Somewhere along the way, somehow, we have been misled to believe that if there's adversity and strife and troubles in our life that there must be sin in our life or that we must be out of the will or the plan of God I want you to understand that that is a possibility but not always a necessity the child of God that's walking in the will and purposes and the ways of the Lord is not exempt from trials, tests, persecution, problems Y'all looking at me like, I never heard that. Because I know you have. Scripture says that while you're in this world, you shall have tribulation. One version says trouble, test, trials. These are words we don't like. We don't like words that, talking to the Christian, that talks about enduring, <laughs> persevering, pressing forth, fighting. A good fight of faith. We've living in such a... I don't even know what to call the culture we live in. Bunch of... Well, I better go somewhere else. We're soft. We're soft in our society. 
We're soft in discipline. We're soft in our schools. We're soft in our governments. We're soft in our churches. We're soft in our every relationship. And it's time that we grow up. Get off of milk. Get on the meat of the Word of God. And that we learn to be soldiers and warriors in the army of God. To go forth and conquer and subdue and proclaim the goodness of God. That the light of the, that we become the light of the world that we're intended to be. We're, we're to live a life in a way that people should be able to look at us and tell that we're different. So why can't they? We need to be, and I'm preaching to me. We need to be like Moses when he came down off of the mountain and he shone forth with the glory of God. People could look at him and tell that he had been in the presence of God. When was the last time? Now don't raise your hand, don't speak out. But I asked the question, when was the last time you consistently denied your flesh whether it be television or going to rope a steer or run the barrels or hit a golf ball or whatever. When has been the last time that you've denied your flesh to seek God? When is the last time that you have fervently, consistently, openly and honestly hungered and thirsted for righteousness, peace, and joy. When is the last time that you delved into the Word of God, seeking a word from God for the circumstance and situation that you're in, rather than to run to somebody wanting them to tell you what God says? Seems like the central theme and topic of mine and Duke's conversation for the last six months has been about relationship me and God me and God you and God I want you to understand something I'm not a doomsday preacher I believe very much in the Lord Jesus Christ that I serve that he's alive he's well he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think I know that he's still the same today as he was yesterday I know he can still save he can heal he can deliver he can set us free I understand Amen. he changes not but I also understand that we have become complacent in the society in which we live, in the church in which we worship, whether it's here or somewhere else. And that does not need to be like that. We need to be a person that's walking sensitive to the Spirit of God, in the will of God, with the discernment of God, armed with the Word, cleansed by His blood, empowered by His Spirit. Never ceasing to remember the mission that we're on. And that's to glorify Him in any and every and all thing that we do. Because He said in His word that whatsoever your hands find to do. Do it with all your might as unto the Lord. But somehow, somewhere, some, along the way we've ceased doing things with diligence and with all that's within us. And we've gotten a, developed a mentality in society and in Christianity of just doing enough to get by. To be acceptable. 
for people to think this way or to that way. But I want you to know God says that I want all of your heart. I want to be first. I'm a jealous God. I'll share my glory with no one or nothing. And it's time that he's calling us back to a place not only of repentance, but he's calling us to a place of holiness. He's calling us to a place of being in the world, but not of the world. To stop trying to be as much like the world as we can be and barely get into heaven. No, it's time that we become so much like him that it's hard for us to even stay on this earth. I want you to understand something. His ways are not our ways. He doesn't grade on the curve. He's calling us to a place of total openness before Him. Total transparency. He knows the thought and intent of our heart anyway. So why should we lie to ourselves? Why should we lie to others? Why should we not come clean with ourselves? Look in the mirror and talk to the man that you see in the glass. And recognize because you know everything about yourself more so than anyone else. You may deceive your wife. You may deceive your kids. You may deceive your business partners. You may even deceive yourself at times. But I want you to understand. You will face a moment of truth. And when you do, and the Word of God is quickened to you, His Word is truth. And His truth will set you free. You don't have to live a double life. You don't have to live a closet life. You don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to live a being overcome life. You don't have to live beneath. He wants us to be above. He wants us to be the head and not the tail. He wants us to exercise the dominion and the authority that he's given us as a child of God. Now all of us need to not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try us, to test us, to prove us. Hebrews says it's the trying of our faith. That's doing a work. It's perfecting us. It's stretching us. It's growing us. It's helping us to become more than what we are. I caution you. If you're comfortable with your relationship with God right now, whether you've been serving Him 10 minutes, 10 years, or 50 years, you're on dangerous ground. We should always hunger and thirst for more of Him. Because there's so much more of him than what I have. I want to be like him. That's the definition that Christian is like Christ. I'm not there yet, folks. I know some of you might think I can walk on water. I never have. Don't even want to try. I saw what happened to Peter. But I want to speak a word of hope and encouragement to you tonight. In the middle of your trial. In the middle of this fiery trial Mark 4 35 on the same day when evening had come he said to them talking to his disciples let us cross over to the other side now when they had left the multitude they took him along in a boat as he was and other little boats were also with him and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Teacher, 
Do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to point out a very few things and hopefully this will breathe strength and encouragement and in hope to you tonight in this fiery trial that you're in. And let me just ask you right now so that I don't, you don't think I'm preaching just to me, although I may be. If you're in a fiery trial, could I see your hand? Don't matter what it is. I, hard, I, I don't really think I know a family that isn't in some way, form, or shape being attacked. Think about it. Our homes, our marriages, our families, our health, our finances, our churches are under attack. I'm not a big statistic guy, but I want to give you a statistic real quickly to go along with what I'm saying. I've used this before because it's, it's just stunned me. 78% of all churches, of all denominations, are declining in attendance. Of the remaining 22%, 19% of those churches are maintaining attendance records based on people coming from other churches. Only 3% of churches are growing by way of conversion, the way it's intended to be. See, sheep are to beget sheep. It's not a pastor's job, I hate that word in the ministry, but it's not a pastor's job or duty to grow sheep or to produce sheep, I should say. It's a pastor's duty and responsibility to feed the sheep, to doctor the sheep, to take them from pasture to pasture and be sure they have things to eat and to drink. But sheep, you, are to beget sheep, to produce sheep. And most people nowadays are so busy and so consumed with life that even when the Lord strategically sets up that opportunity to speak hope and life, we just blow right by it. And it's time we once again return to a sensitivity in our spirit, man, to have a hearing ear what the Spirit of God would say and to have time for people to listen to them. But in the middle of this fiery trial that you're on, I want to point out a few things that Jesus started out by saying in verse 35, Let us cross over to the us. I'm going with you guys. Let us. Has he not promised each and every one of us that he'd never leave us nor forsake us? That he'll go with us all the way to the very ends? 
No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what circumstances are, he's there. So they set out. They get in the boat. They're obeying what he says in verse 36. He said in 35, let us cross over. In verse 36, we see them in the boat obeying, crossing over with Jesus in the boat. Not too far out in verse 37, it says a great storm, not just a storm, a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. You can be in the will of God, in the purposes of God, in the plan of God. Going to the destination he's assigned you, doing exactly what he's told you to do and storms will come. This is not the only incidence in the Bible where this happens. That's why Peter got out of the boat in the other story. Because of the winds and the waves. So then we see in verse 38. Here's the storm. The boats are filling up with water in verse 37. Now in verse 38. Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat with his head on a pillow. The picture that I see here is he's not worried about it. He's not troubled. He's not afraid. Why? Because he's the Prince of Peace. And he's with us in the middle of our storm. But notice what the disciples do. In verse 38, in the bottom portion of that, they came to him and voiced their concerns. We need to come to the Lord and let our needs and requests be made known. We, we get into that relationship thing that we were talking about a while ago. You and God. And after you let your needs and requests be made known, quite simply, shut up and listen. Wait on the voice of God to speak to you. Wait on Him to quicken Scripture to you. Wait on Him to channel your thoughts in the direction that he needs you to go you know oftentimes he'll use you to answer your prayers but you got to have a hearing ear to hear what the spirit would say so they came to him and they voiced their concern and then verse 39 what Jesus do when they did that said he arose and he spoke when we come to him we cry out to him remember I've shared with you before there are two things that Stop Jesus in his tracks. It's the cry of the desperate. Remember blind Bartimaeus, how when he heard it was Jesus passing by, he cried out, stopped him in his tracks. Remember it was the touch of the, the woman with the issue of blood when she touched the hem of his garment and healing virtue flew, flew out of, or flowed out of his body. It stopped him in his track. I want you to know something. The cry of the desperate and the touch of the sincere still stops him in his tracks. It's one thing to ask and ask amiss. Not asking, expecting, not asking, believing. That's what amiss means. But he tells us whenever we ask, believe. said, when you pray, I know I'm shotgunning you here and this is elementary, but we need to be reminded of the simplicity of God's word. He says, when you pray, don't pray as the heathen do, for they think they're heard for their much speaking, their flowery words, their pretty oratory skills. He said, don't do that. But when you pray, believe. When do you believe? 
when you pray. If you're not going to believe when you pray, don't pray. Because you're just going through a religious, ceremonial thing that will accomplish nothing. We've got to be a, play, a people that when we come to the Lord in prayer, we have the faith. How does faith come? By the Word of God. Very simple. This way. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We can pray for more faith. We can desire more faith. We can want more faith. And we should for all of that. But faith's only going to come when you ingest the Word. When you put the Word of God. You hide it in your heart so that you don't sin against Him. So that you have your mind renewed by the washing of the water of the Word. So that the Word will begin to direct your thoughts. So that the Word will begin to control your thoughts. So that the Word will then... Will, will then go from your thoughts into your heart. Then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can begin to believe in our heart the things that we know in our mind. It becomes not just informational, but it becomes inspirational. It becomes more than just knowledge of. It becomes a fact in us. We are empowered from within by the Spirit of God to perform without, outwardly. Though Jesus arose and he spoke and I don't know if he said peace be still or if he just said peace be still I don't know what volume or tone he used but I know this much when he said peace be still the word says there was a great calm and I want you to understand I believe with all of my heart that when you come to him in sincerity and you cry and you, you get before him and you get in, your pre in his presence and you cry out to him and you believe him to, and you trust him to get involved in your circumstances and in your life I believe with everything in me that he will and he'll speak to your circumstance now I also know this sometimes he will speak to your storm and calm will come and sometimes he will speak to you and strengthen you to go through the storm. But one way or the other, he's going to speak. And one way or the other, victory's going to come. He will speak to that storm or he'll speak a word to you that'll so resonate in your spirit. Man, you'll have that I can run through a troop, jump over a wall mentality. You'll say, come on devil, it's a short walk over here, but you're going to limp back. I believe he still speaks. But then one of the things that amazed me as I read this passage of Scripture, here's been the disciples with him, seeing, seeing him do all of these great things in, in recent months. That, And then he, verse 40, he turns to him and he said, Why are you fearful? Tonight I want to just say to open range, don't be afraid. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him. In other words, in all of your ways look to Him. And He'll direct your paths. When our focus, our focus, not our glance, but when our focus is upon Him, the storms diminish. Those things that we thought were so big and so powerful, we recognize their irrelevance and their insignificance in comparison to the majesty and the might and the power and the greatness and the grandeur of the God that we serve. Because He can do 
anything but lie or fail. He can't do that. And lastly, the winds and the wave obeyed. After he rebuked them for being fearful, they became that calm. Now I want to encourage you tonight. Psalm 91. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and there they are safe. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power to save. There's power to heal. There's power to deliver. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. There's no other name that causes demons to tremble. There's no other name in which there's not only salvation, but there's might and power and strength. Run into the name of Jesus. Run to Jesus. Call on Jesus and watch Jesus show up and show out in your life. See the peace in your storm and in your turmoil. It's a mindset you're going to have to develop. It's a, it's a discipline that you're going to have to commit to to bring captive every thought. See if it aligns with the Word of God. Don't let the devil cause fear and doubt and unbelief inside of your spirit man. Because when he does, that's the beginning of a downfall. That's the beginning of getting your eyes off of the Lord you serve and getting them on the devil in whom you fight. So I want to admonish you to do that. If you bow your heads, I'm going to close at this point. I know this hadn't been a preach the paint off the wall sermon, and I know it's not fun to listen to, but it's just.